twist and wind as you reach for the sky. Your color comes from your will to survive. Oh, I'm struck dumb, 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 dumb. G'day and welcome to Snowy Gum Presents. I'm Jordan, your trusty navigator into the land of song. And on this episode, I'll be interviewing my good friend, Daniel Forsyth. Dan is a singer, songwriter and visual artist that as we'll discover is pretty hard to pin down. He has three albums and several EPs to his name, as well as an ever expanding array of artworks. Some that accompany his music and some that don't. Daniel received high rotation on Triple J for his songs Lost in the Moment and Under a Spell, as well as performing on the A La Mode program, Like a Version. Heads up, we took a little drive down the south coast, so there's a bit of car noise. But a better heads up, Dan and I are going to be playing a co-launch this Thursday, the 6th of July, at the Midnight Special in Newtown. Set to be a cracker night, sharing our songs and maybe even singing one or two of each other's. Hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. Snowy gum. I want to crack it open. All right. By just saying, uh, by asking, um, how do you do it? How do I do it? How do you come up with something out of nothing? Yeah. Um. I think. What I'm, what's coming to mind is curi- it's uh, heightened curiosity. It's just a. I'm remembering the first time. A friend, a good friend of mine, we'd been playing a bit of guitar, and I'd been learning guitar, mm. and he, um, was. Sta- I said, "Oh, where you been?" I was at school, and so we'd been 16, 17 or something. And I was just, he's, I was just writing a song with Chris. I was like, writing a song? What do you mean? <laughs> I just didn't think that I just that was a whole it was like I don't know what that's like saying it was just like it was just a new language I didn't ever the possibility that someone could write a song I knew songs existed but mm. that was the first time I went it just so that so I feel like curiosity towards that space you were 16 did you say yeah around I would have been about would have been about 16 I reckon yeah 15 16 maybe 15 actually I don't think I'd barely been playing guitar for maybe more than a couple of months. So someone sort of opened up the possibility of it. Yeah, without them realising. Just the fact that someone else that I knew was writing a song. Yeah. And and if I think about... Or if, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird question, actually. I, like, it's, I, I think it's... Um, but I feel like possibly yeah, an intense curiosity to not just song, but to what's actually going on in my real inner world mm. versus what I present versus what I'm supposed to do. 
so curiosity towards that as well seemed to um, first come out in song, I guess. The song was a, yeah. Do you think that you had that curiosity? Like, I'm sure that you did, but were you aware of having the curiosity before you were writing songs? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think maybe... Yeah, I don't think so. I think they might they might have happened at the same time. I don't. Uh, maybe I, I feel like maybe I was. Yeah, to me, I'm just they're maybe very much the similar thing. Yeah. Um, but you kind of stumped me. I realize <laughs> I, I realize I don't actually know. come to be a thing in my life do you remember um, once you you know basically realised the possibility and had the curiosity do you remember then how long it took for you to come up with your first first ideas of songs it was pretty close after I think maybe the first song I ever wrote was I I had a red electric guitar Mm -hmm. and it was called something like I've got a red guitar. <laughs> Sounds like an Elvis song. <laughs> and um, it went, I got a new guitar. Bum, 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 da, da, bum, bum. It's red and white. Bum, 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 bum. And um, so, yeah, I think guitar, learning guitar and, and um, songwriting was pretty... Yeah, it was actually it was pretty not too far apart. I don't think. I think yep. within about a year of guitar playing, I think I would have been writing songs pretty badly. But it was yeah. I was more interested in. I remember not wanting to learn intentionally, not wanting to learn how to read music. Yeah. Because I felt more drawn to that. Um, whatever that making your own thing is versus learning someone else's song even though I love learning other people's songs yeah and did you like your first songs that you're writing yeah I think maybe my weakness and my strength is that I'm possibly my biggest fan because <laughs> 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 I, I think it was such a surprise I was, I was a footy head no one knew me as a musician yes I was a footy head I was a big boy I was good at footy and when I first started playing guitar and then writing songs it was a shock to me as much as it was to everyone else around me I don't think it was just like what the heck where's this coming from um so yeah I think I was I was as fascinated by the fact that songs were coming I loved it I I just couldn't yeah I I was a huge fan yeah it felt good it felt good. It felt to great, do. and I like I like to listen to my songs because, yeah, like I suppose you're, I was I'm kind of, yeah, I suppose it's sort of proud. You just that like real naive pride in making something, and I think it probably helps you get through the first few hurdles when because one of the biggest obstacles is being too critical, yeah, of yourself. So you can sort of get through that yeah and I think that's where 
other voices initially become become really significant and uh, my um, mate Steve who was he was the guy that opened up songs the first one that was writing it his opinion meant a lot to me so the, it was sort of a bit of a like funny joke the first songs that I wrote and I remember writing this one that thank god we lost the video footage of that because it was just me trying to write a Nirvana song I think I used the same chords and everything thinking that it was and I just remember my bandmates going ah it's good Dan (laughs) and then I never heard about it again but I remember the first song that I wrote that um, Steve paid attention to and he was like it's really good where's that chorus coming from and so as much as I sort of was liking songwriting I think not until you get a response do you did I start um, it maybe took uh, what did it it confirms that this thing that you're feeling precious in yourself Mm. even though no one else really is once someone else goes has that sort of same spark of joy that maybe you have it does something to you where you it it maybe makes it more real or something or it just it um it yeah it's quite it's quite significant moments when you when you see that resonance in other people's faces it's like it's a recognition of being seen yeah it's huge being seen it's interesting the people that you give that who who have that initial power over you or something because not everyone not everyone in that early stage or even still now like if they said they like it it wouldn't have mean much but because he was in my mind a bit of a um, yeah he was the song dude and yeah he was the music guy yeah opinions from other people who weren't music didn't really land but because he'd done it and lots of other people sort of worship his voice and his songs yeah coming from him it really meant something yeah um, which is brilliant and then it also has complications down the track as well but initially yeah it was it makes me sort of think of or wonder who who opened it for him and yeah. then how it's a bit of an initiation <laughs> process um and what comes to mind is, and how I feel about song as well, is it's a little bit of a tree falls in the forest situation because you write lots of songs and until s- someone else recognises them, you, you don't really know what's good really, do you? I mean, you know what feels good. Um, but yeah. I hear what you're saying about that rec- recognition, basically. Well, in a real trip, is often the songs that I've liked the most, no one else cares about and the ones that I have not really thought about have not have resonated in a strong way so that's always still baffled me that um, you don't really know what what is um, what feels good to you might not yeah. have any bearing on it being good necessarily but it, obviously that's why you do it because it feels good so yeah and that's that's that's, that's good that leads me to um, leads me to lost in the moment I think I'm falling, I think I'm falling, I think I'm falling for you.
get lost in the moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you ever really be lost in the moment? Oh, <laughs> man. Go right. I feel like if you're actually ever in the moment, you you only ever go right. Yeah, go right. Yeah. Oh. It's the only actually ever like true way you can be in the moment. <laughs> is to, to be, be lost. to be lost. Because to think that you like know where you are in any moment is <laughs> just like <laughs> is an, is more of an illusion than the reality of your lostness in a moment. But to um, yeah, is that because you're you're questioning the bigger picture of? where you come from and and the bigger picture of, of life in your existence is that sort of what you're no, I think what I'm saying is um, like that song I suppose or being to be lost in the moment like the way it just even anecdotally kind of is you're sort of struck by the wonder of things you, it's like you've got that beginner's eyes you've got that child's eyes you're mm. looking around going holy heck what is this what is this thing happening you don't actually know what's going on but you're struck by the wonderer and the um, you, there's a certain awe about the whole thing that mm. you only I've never really actually thought about that phrase lost in the moment but it makes it makes a bit of sense because but it's weird because you simultaneously feel found in the moment like you you're, you feel found but you're quite aware that you've got no idea what you're taken by the wonder and the and the um, it's, um, beyond. Um, I like those moments. Yeah, because you, we call it lost in the moment. It's like it's the turn of phrase, but I hear what you're saying. It, it can be also, it could be found. It could yeah. Be found. Well, that's that's the feel. Like really, the way most oh, I lost in the moment. It's got a positive affect to it. Yeah. Which is actually that you feel found. So yeah. it's, it's a funny... It's a... Um, it's weirdly making me think of my old um, Christian days, my church days, where you would equally say that you'd feel found by God and also that you'd want to get lost. you want to lose yourself in God. Yeah. And then a lot of the mystics, like... Roomy, I'm I'm reading Roomy at the moment for my morning morning toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and there's all this talk about emptiness and you know um, dissolving into God and into oneness and into mm-hmm. whatever. And then the, the sense of completion that you feel in that dissolution. So there's always a, a, there's a strange dance going on between lost and foundness. There's some weird paradox there, but somehow they're both true at the same time yeah and to to bring it bring it down on the ground Mm. did you know that that song was going to translate in quite a big way for people no no idea no I no was it one that you threw away like was it a throwaway or no it was a really early night so along with songwriting so this was after I first was exploring that awkward songwriting stage and I'd been in a few bands I started I learned garage band my brother showed me garage band and I remember just going fuck off buddy this is now <laughs> my, <laughs> this is now my space 
and they got really obsessed with production and I made some just classic hits under the under DJ Dan. If you, anyone that knows DJ Dan knows how famous DJ Dan was. <laughs> and then that translated into upgrading and getting a bit more gear. Still a um, home studio. Yeah. But I got really fascinated by the recording. And so I remember, I'm quite sure it was... Um, I'm going right here. Go left. Left here, sorry. It was a... Um, Left, right here. No, that's ah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was some Angus and it was a Julia Stone song in Angus and Julia Stone. I can't even remember which one it was, but I remember trying to imitate her voice and finding chords that were the same as that. But obviously, I don't have a voice like Julia Stone. And then it was just playing around with elements in the recording. But really, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, not no idea but enough of no idea that I didn't know what was cool and what was good. Yeah. And I heard electric drums and I thought they sounded cool. And and I, the only clues that I have now is that it could have been good is that I felt embarrassed when I showed it to people initially. Yeah. And... You felt embarrassed? Yeah. So why, why did you feel embarrassed? I think... I remember the first time I was recording in a shared space that my dad was using as an office. Yeah. And um, he one time asked me, he's like, what are you doing in there? And I was like, oh, I'm recording songs. <laughs> and he's like, well, when are we going to hear them? And I said, oh, I can show you them now. So I had about five or six songs that I've been recording. And I showed him them. And then when that song came on, for whatever reason, I... Had to walk out the room, out of the room, just but only for that. Song. Only that song. There's something about that song that I. Oh yeah, I think I got. I think I might know where I am now. <laughs> We're found. <laughs> um, it was something to do. It felt maybe a bit too sissy for me, or something. A little bit like feely, like, and it was so like obviously like poppy maybe. It wasn't, didn't feel cool to me, maybe, or like, yeah, maybe it just felt too cheesy or something, maybe a bit too cheesy, and, and I came back in the room and Dad was like, oh, that, that song's a, that's a winner, and I was just like, okay, cool, yeah, righto, so, and then it kept happening every, every time I'd show this collection of six or seven songs that I had, everyone would always mention that song, oh, that's, that's a real... They liked them all, but that was obviously a standout to almost anyone that listened to that little collection of songs. That's um, so interesting. So, Beats, yeah, I still don't really know what it is about that song, but it's got legs. People still talk about that song, so it's, it, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm be ha- I'd happy to find out what it is, because I'd like to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me think of, you know, how sometimes writers suggest that being on that edge of embarrassment is a really good thing for, Do they uh, say for that? writing. Yeah, I've heard it said by quite a few writers that you sort of want to be on that edge. And I think right. we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah. You want to push those lines of your comfort. Yeah. Um, I didn't know, though, that that was the only one you had to walk out of the room for. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I could be, I could, that, I could be feeding into the mythology of that song, but I remember I listened to the first two and then that same com- came on and I had to walk out of the room. 
because I, I listened to it recently again I've listened to it back and I thought you're right like it's got this innocence about it that might be perceived as like it's very vulnerable yeah. but then on the same token yeah. I think every woman wants to be the girl <laughs> that song's sing, <laughs> singing about <laughs> as well so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of power in it um, yeah and maybe I I didn't wouldn't have seen myself um, as I was so shy when I was an adolescent that talking to girls like any any girls that went to school with me around 15, 16 would attest to how painfully shy I was I, I just could barely speak <coughs> so I don't know if I had that any sense of my, maybe myself as um, as that to other to, to women I suppose so that I don't yeah it's interesting to hear that as an outsider that yeah I just think it's um, uh, not exactly what especially in Australia the man the man's kind of um, it's it's hard sometimes hard to be vulnerable and say say these things and put yourself in that place yeah and weirdly I don't remember it it's funny because obviously it was vulnerable if I had to walk out of the room mm. yeah and I suppose I did actually looking about having really thought about that playing that I did sort of always feel a bit vulnerable and it, it lasted almost whenever I played that song live it felt a bit I just felt like silly <laughs> I felt silly doing it and I think I felt like that almost every time I played it live which is a shame because it'd be nice to have known that song but maybe that's part of the maybe that's part of why that song caught on is like if you are if you do have a crush on someone like you feel silly yeah <laughs> like you the, the sh- you try to be cool and like whatever and just everything you say feels clunky and like you have no idea that that's charming to the other they're probably finding that charming but in the moment you feel like so maybe that it's part of the whole it's part of what made that song um, communicate whatever it communicated in. yeah I don't know well I'll move I'll move forward um, I guess I'll be jumping forward between Daniel Lee Kendall and Daniel Forsyth just because you got you had a lot of catalogue um, under the name Daniel Lee Kendall yeah well um, it is my name Daniel Lee Kendall Forsyth and we probably don't need to go down we can if you want but oh we're not I don't necessarily want to go down like the, the whole name thing name changing or anything yeah. but more just like the songs from yeah. that people will find under yeah, yeah, under yeah, that yeah. catalogue and yeah. then um, but we'll go there a little bit um, it's probably worthwhile I might, I might discover something there was an album called Daniel Lee Kendall is dead. Yeah.
I know that you basically took some time. I don't even know. It wasn't necessarily time off, but you went to uni um, after releasing that album or around about the time of releasing that album. Is that correct? Daniel Kelly is dead? Yeah. I had been in uni for a year before that one had come out. Yeah. I, I yeah, needed to... Yeah. And you... Um, you went on to study art, art therapy. I think that was what I was supposed to go. Do your master's in art therapy. Yeah. Which I'll go more into later. But like my question at the moment is... Between... Between albums... Was there ever a time when you thought you might actually not continue recording and releasing albums? Like, was the Daniel Lee Kendall is dead thing, it was what I'm saying, was that a, was it a real intention at one point to, to stop? Or, um, yeah, did you ever think you were seriously not going to keep releasing music at any point in time? Yeah. Is the prob- question. Probably several points, probably several times. And... Before Daniel Lee Kendall is dead, I that was what it was. I remember feeling like whatever this relationship with the music, I, I was on stage and I would be hating it. I would just hate it. I just didn't want to be there. And um, So that's why I went to uni in the end. It was because I, um, I think I'm lost a bit again here, but I reckon I can find my way. Um, I just this was not enjoying my relationship with not just music, but with music, how I was making it, how I was in the world. I was I, I didn't like it, and so I remember putting on the shelf. I'm sort of almost as a physical or like an imaginary act put it on the shelf I remember actually literally doing this in my room putting um, an imaginary thing on the shelf and saying I love you you've been great to me but um, I can't keep doing this the way we're doing this so if we're going to continue this I need you to come to me in a new way and then I went to uni um to just distract myself or just to try something different but then it kept bubbling up and by the time I finished my first semester I spent six weeks recording when I came out of that but I couldn't think of a name to release under so and then second semester came around and in that the end of that semester this little phrase popped into my head Daniel Lee Kendall is dead and I I, I smiled it made me smile when I it made me smile, which I thought, ah, oh, that's nice. So I tested it for a week. It was, which then, and I knew that when I had the thought, I was like, release, because I had about 50 demos. And I knew that the, with that thought, um, it was released just the best of the demos. Call it Daniel Lee Kendall is dead, and then we can move on to the next thing. So, um, yeah, that was. So that, that came back and then, um, yeah, I'm really lost here again. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to Yeah, I'm Nulla. pretty sure you can chuck right here somewhere, but I might be too far deep. Um, I'll keep cracking on. Yeah. Um, 
And I guess what I need to fill the audience in about is that you'd had quite a big song, Lost in the Moment, that we talked about. Um, and you'd done a lot of touring. And you were really, like, you were in the public eye in a certain to a, to a degree, to a yeah, degree. like in that indie sort of space, I was yeah. no, well, not huge, but enough that, yeah, there was there was things happening. I wasn't the, the phone wasn't completely, you know, I was getting it wasn't firing, but yeah, there was there was things happening. <laughs> it wasn't all it wasn't all emails from Cole's deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah so, but out of that grew some sort of dissatisfaction though there was some sort of yeah. dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction growing yeah um, well similar to what you would I, I was thinking about our last time that I was talking about you and you sort of got I remember with I was talking with um, Mushroom and they wanted to offer me a publishing deal and they just said what do you want and I was like look if I could make a living out of my music I'd be great mm. and then that song got put on an ad which essentially gave me money I didn't know it then quite then but it gave me a good whack of money for about six years which wow. meant I could I could pretty much work a couple of days in the cafe a week and have more than enough money yeah so I suddenly um, yeah like had had money from <laughs> my music <laughs> and I was just so I don't even know what it was I was I mean, at a similar time, like, I suppose, I don't know if you want to bring religion into it, but um, I, it was a big part of my life, Christianity, and I was a big part of a church, um, and I was a big part of the music there, and I had a breakup, which really floored me, and... Um, but it was also I was aware that it was a, a breakup with my faith I guess as well so I was in a yeah I was in a that was going on that that's, this is all happening at once like yeah you break so while up, my music is doing pretty well yeah. out there yeah internally I'm just like just completely Lost. It's like, a lot to process. That's a lot to process. All of that. Yeah, and I couldn't. I could, the truth is, I couldn't stomach it. I couldn't do. I couldn't keep up the the payoff of the music stuff starting to do well. I had too many questions about. Um, it was not satisfying me in a way that that um, that was what's the word like <laughs> subsidising or whatever the the existential agony and was that, <laughs> that was do you think looking back was that the music or just the place you were at like I think it was a bit of a disillusion of disillusionment I, I, have a, I had a few gigs where I had a really good gigs like in front of like four or five hundred people and they really responded and I sold it to CDs mm-hmm. and and I had enough of those moments and I felt this insatiable thing in me and I was like, this is not going to matter if this is 20,000 people worshipping in a gig, I'm still going to have this pervading emptiness that seems to, seems to um, take, yeah, that was the main event in my life. And so I think I got, a, I got enough of a glimpse of what I thought that 
success and fame world might do mm. that it broke the spell a little bit um, for me. Yeah. That suddenly that what I thought of was going to be a way out suddenly became not a way out anymore. Right. And so... Um, yeah, I think it was something like that. And I have to ask, a way out of, of what? Is a way out of the fact that I, um, my own personal sense of misery. This, this feeling that you're This emptiness about. that I felt pervaded my life that I wasn't really... It's interesting to look back on what I... Yeah, escape from what... Um, just the general, like, real dissatisfaction with life. Like, it was like I had the peach and I was biting the peach, but there was no flavour. It was just air or, like, you know, like, sometimes you see a, you see a beautiful sunset or, or a beautiful view and you know it's perfect, but you can still feel a distance between you and the sense of beauty that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that. So I could see so much beauty and so much goodness all around me, but I couldn't experience it. And it just felt like that was the story of my life. Um, and so I kind of knew that the, it wasn't going to... I think I must have... I'm not sure if I consciously knew this, but I, enough that it, no matter what I did and achieved, I could feel that this separation between life was going to persist mm-hmm. and so I think I decided that I needed answers to that thing more than um, to continue pursuing more success in music but it didn't it didn't take away from um, your interest in art fuck <laughs> um, <laughs> or his life <laughs> Uh, to say that throughout this time you at some point you can you can fill in exactly when but you'd found painting yeah um, a deep love yeah. for painting yeah um, and also you decided to start studying art therapy yeah um, yeah when did so first question when when did the painting thing emerge exactly yeah the painting thing happened um when did that happen it's it's sort of semi-recent okay I finally actually know where I am oh good um (laughs) thank you painting (laughs) painting was I'd always it's been vaguely curious like I would draw a bit and felt like oh I want to crack this and then I would do it for a week and then get bored and then leave it for a year. So you drew a little bit? Here and there, but like, you know. And I actually did do art in year 9 and 10, which, but I was much better at art history than I was at any of the drawing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but when was that? That would have been... Um, maybe six years it was a fair bit after where are we now 23 and 3 I reckon it would have been like 2018 2017 so like so we're talking after so Daniel Lee Kendall's dead happened and after that that was 2014 that would have been like three 
maybe three years after. So before or after you started studying art therapy? Before, before. yeah, 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 way before, yeah. Because in that time, so after Daniel Lee Kendall's that happened, a friend of mine who played keyboards with me a bit, we started a duo called Bad French. Bad French, yes. And that was the whole point of like, let's just see if we can have fun making music again. And we did have fun and we recorded and it was just, it was a whole... It was really fun and we made some good stuff but it never really took off um, and it happened, painting happened at a bit similar time. It was a random event where mum has a, had a cafe and this local painter would come in and she just said to me, oh there's this guy I feel like you'd really like his approach um, and I was kind of open at that time and I just said well why don't you buy me a lesson for Christmas this year. So she bought me a day with this guy and it just cracked something open. The first day, um, he got me doing stuff like, we chatted for about an hour and a half before we even, you know, he wanted to just get to know me Mm -hmm. first and so I was able to share a bit of my music and I had been drawing in this journal just like, if you looked at them, they'd just be like the the two-year-old drawings, like they're they're just really but somehow he could see some I would, I would write stream of consciousness and just draw really basic things and um, he would look at that and anyway he got me to do stuff like um, we'd listen to music and he'd get me to close my eyes and just use pick any chalk and dance with chalk like and that actually dance with it and he just freed me from it. I was so nice. I was so green with painting but it just yeah so it really cracked something and I, I didn't actually I didn't journal I usually journal heaps I don't think I journaled for about a year or anything because I just felt like I was discovering this new language um yeah so you you had this sort of growing ache I know you call it an ache a lot that you were getting from your initial sort of success in music. Um, you made a pretty conscious decision that you wanted to explore that. Or you had to almost figure it out. I don't know what your words are for it, but you needed to lean into it yeah. in some degree rather than maybe searching externally yeah. to solve it. But it didn't take you away from, from art. No. It probably drew me deeper into it in a way. Yeah. And then, and having painting as a new expression of creativity, I felt like um, yeah, like deep, deepened, deepened up more than ever. I think maybe maybe become more convinced of the creative process than ever. I thought I was at that stage. There's another type stage where I thought maybe music this could be the, the new thing that I, I was very, yeah, it felt, it, it felt like I could maybe just not do music and I could just give myself to painting. To painting. It was a big, it was, yeah, it was a, a real explosion for sure. Can you open this for me? Mm. <laughs> um, that's interesting that you say like, because in one hand it almost looked like you were moving away from art or this music kind of external industry thing but you kind of almost got drawn deeper deeper yeah well I think I always that's what I was saying it wasn't that I don't know if 
I was just looking for a different relationship with it, and because I feel like the model that we you get given in, in particularly Australia, and the music model is you you write a bunch of songs, you find the best one, and then you, you get it. I remember this moment I saw Gotchier at Homebake. I was playing there that year too, and I was on a little side stage, and I watched him, and he had his song, Somebody That I Used To Know, <laughs> and he was a real inspiration for me. Gotchier was one of the first person. I read an interview, and he just said, just buy a... All you need is a microphone, one one microphone, and just have some fun. And he yeah. really... And I loved his early music, so he really inspired me to just have a crack at recording. Um, and I remember seeing him live, and there's just like, you're at a festival, and there's just people off their tits, they're just like drunk, and, and they're having a great time. And then he came on, and no one gave a fuck what he was doing, until all they were waiting for was this one big pop song. They came on, and they were like, ah. <laughs> and I, I was watching him and my intuition was like he's hating this yeah. I just felt like he was and I mean he's like he's disappeared hasn't he and probably everyone's like what's he doing I wouldn't be surprised if he's like well whatever I'm doing I'm not doing that thing again I have no idea I don't know him but but I remember so that's sort of the model if you're a musician that's kind of the model you presented with is like and then you put all this effort into the one radio song, we get the radio song, you go and you do your live set, you get your live set really tight, and you play it, and you sort of take all the things that I love about creativity out, you've taken all the spontaneity out, all that exploratory, like, excitement. And I just, it's, for some people it's cool and it worked, but for me I just, I, I didn't, it's not what, I, it's not what got me going about music. And um, and yeah, so why am I saying that? I suppose I'm saying that it was not maybe music and creativity that was. I just knew that I needed to a, a different relationship with it that worked for me, and that that the pursuit of industry. Um, I just wasn't willing to pay. I wasn't, I wasn't, either I wasn't good enough or I wasn't, um, I th- my thinking is I wasn't willing to, the, the, it wasn't worth the cost. It wasn't worth the, like, the personal cost of pursuing this thing because it wasn't giving me the return that I felt like my inner life was craving. And painting really cracked open some like inner satisfaction of just like, just falling in love with the creative process again and just realising how much just that process um, I was only the early paintings I would only share it with just literally my painting mentor I wouldn't share it with anyone else and it became this beautiful naive like falling in love with um, creativity again yeah because it's I've heard it's, I've heard you say um, in the past that you're almost searching for a different type of relationship yeah with maybe not necessarily the art, but how the art meets the public, yeah, or something. Um, and how do you think you're going with that relationship now? Yeah, I, I, I actually really. I was thinking about this today. I, because I've got a new song out today. It just came out. And what's it called? It's called Nobody Knows. Nobody Knows. And um, 
Yeah, I was really... I've been stuck by this release thing for a while because... I think any creative knows that there's... A, a creation doesn't really feel finished until it's been shared. It's like, it's this little last moment that if you've created something that you like and it just stays in your room, it's, a, it's weird. <laughs> it's just, something's off. And, um, but to share it, you know, like, to, to be completely in this virtual world where you're sharing, there's no real, there's no real satisfying feedback you're completely relying on watching numbers go up and 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 like if you take that got share example let's say you write a massive pop song and it goes all around the world even that might not actually have much meaning in it if if there's not um if you can't receive it in turn, like there's some there's some reciprocal dance that I felt like I knew existed, mm. but I wasn't experiencing. And so I'm in an experimentation phase now where I'm I am just doing it. In some ways, it's exactly the same. I'm writing a song, recording it, and releasing it. And there's a bit of a trust thing going on that I'll share it with people that I know. Of, are vaguely interested that are probably going to listen to it like I'm literally texting people which I've never done before I text maybe 20 people and do a couple of social posts and then that's it then I'm I'm back make, like the, the point is to get back making and doing that again Yeah. and what I'm flirting with at the moment is that as I'm putting a song out into the world it's like um, somehow that has a power of it's like it's almost I don't know how do you explain what I feel like might be happening it's like um, I hate the word manifesting because I get, feel like it gets so abused and so and I don't do it and I've, every time I've tried manifestation I'm just like alright well it's not, not for me obviously <laughs> Obviously, I'm doing the wrong thing here. But it feels something like that, whereas whatever the content or the spirit of that song is goes out into the world, it's like I start to receive what I was trying to get to in that song. Yes. And it might be an overactive imagination, but I'm enjoying it much more. I'm, I'm, I feel like I've got a sense of satisfaction again from finishing a song. I'm proud of what it is. It's in the world. And I'm looking at my numbers and most musicians would be really embarrassed by it but I'm not that's not my I don't feel like I'm not being measured by that anymore because at the moment um, you're releasing a song almost every what does it work out to be sort of it sort of seems to be like maybe two to three weeks every two to three weeks yeah you've had about is it are you up to four four singles now, now yeah and then yeah. five will be pretty soon that one we had in a couple of weeks and it feels really cool especially um as like a fan watching it um, come out it, it does feel very live <laughs> well we'll get to that <laughs> um, yeah that actually well that actually does lead me into when I when I became a true fan because we toured um, we toured a, a lot in the, early, in the early days probably around about that 
angsty time. Yeah, that you were I was deep about. in it just then. Yeah, and yeah. I think we might have mentioned it last time. Um, I feel that's when I first realised I liked you, is because uh, you subtly understood. <laughs> I could tell that there was an audience for my angst. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a real audience. Fast forward, we were road buddies and we we tour quite a bit of Australia a lot. Um, early 20s and then fast forward to like maybe five years ago um, when you moved to Sydney and we um, yeah. we caught up again and you were that was right on the precipice of the ache of existential yeah which I re-released as the ache but yeah which you re-released as the ache uh, yeah. under Daniel Forsyth which is a fantastic album <laughs> um, and that is probably when I became. I always liked your music, but when I, I was actually like, "Oh, I'm a fan of this." Like, oh, I, I cool. like, I like how it sounds. I like the songs. I like the artwork. That's nice to hear. I like, like the whole package. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's to me that's just such a, such a great album. <laughs> um, and there's a there's a few songs that there's a few songs that I want to pinpoint. Okay. In this in this discussion, like cause you've got quite a few songs out there, but I thought I'll just focus on the ones that really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of the ones of that album is Why Don't You Go Out Into, into the Dark <laughs> Anymore <laughs> Why don't you go out in the dark anymore Are you afraid to see your reflection In the wild eyes of the animals Why don't you want anything anymore through that song a little bit and I know it's it's like a it's a big thing to talk about your songs but yeah. I'll, I'm going to pinpoint a few and they're to, you know me I'm a melancholy like uh, fiend so I'm going to probably pick the ones yeah. that um, are Which pretty always dangerous. <laughs> it's always dangerous so share what you want to share okay um, but just just for a start can you tell me a little bit about that making of that album where you're at making that album and, and if you want to talk about that song you can yeah, well, that album was, um, again, born out of a desire. I was recording by myself and finding I was going a bit crazy. So I wanted a different approach to recording. So I, a friend of mine who I had got to mix and he'd been in bands and had sort of gone down a more of a production route. He just got back from overseas and I just said, hey do you want to come and record an album with me? I can't give you any money, but I'll give you, you know, we can split the, you know, split the royalties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was up for it. And I was living in a cabin at that time. And so it just became, I, I'd never really, I had to let go a lot because I wanted him, we both produced it, but I really let him make a lot of creative decisions that I wouldn't naturally make so there was moments that were tough for me that I could feel I was like I'm not really this is not what I would do but I wanted to just see what happened if I let his 
taste take over for a bit. So it was, and I just got to be the musician. I just got to play everything. Yeah. And I had took my hands off the tools completely. Um. And the whole thing was just a pleasure. Like it was just fun to make. Yeah. He would come over for a day. I'd get the chicken, and he'd set up. We had the the drums in. It was all set up there. He. He just sort of, we'd go, I had about maybe 15 songs, 15, 20 songs that I intentionally just left as acoustic and didn't have any, I I had a few ideas of what I would think, you know, could happen. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real collaborative effort and it was just fun. So I didn't, I didn't actually care how they sounded. Um, I was not doing it. My whole, um measurement system for that album was am I having fun doing this and if I wasn't then I was not going to do it yeah so I'd obviously I'd obviously gone back into some sort of myth that you got to suffer for your art or something like that mm-hmm. and I just was like I'm not I'm not paying that price mm-hmm. this has to be a joy otherwise I'm out yeah and so that was a joy project which is funny because it's, it's it is a bit of a melancholy kind of rock issue sort of album but it was a lot of fun and then I was like, well, I may as well put it out because I had fun doing it. Yeah. And I didn't do any, I literally did like three or four social posts, started playing gigs, and then Cape happened. But that song in particular, <laughs> um, I'd actually be curious, as, I'm more curious actually as to your, your take on it than my take on it. Because yeah. that is a bit of a vulnerable thing to shout. I'm not sure quite what I want to share about that song. Yeah, no, of course. Um, well, what it sort of brings up for me, um, and it's partly mixed in with knowing your personal st- like history and um, and your art, but it sort of brings up like there's been some sort of wrestle with how much you want to engage your art and the and the public in some way like you're mm. sort of talking how you're trying to find this relationship you got this you do your art for a certain reason um, and you're trying to find a, a healthy relationship with how you share it and how you practice it mm. basically um, and what it sort of meant for me was like uh, well, what I was sort of hearing from it like I hear you singing to yourself basically I hear you singing to yourself Um, and because I know practicing art it can get harder as you get older maybe it doesn't have to do for everyone but to Mm. keep to stay in that sort of childish Mm -hmm. place it can it can get harder so that's sort of what I what I hear in the song Mm. you sort of exploring that Um, yeah it's an interesting question why don't you go out in the dark anymore and then the next line is, are you afraid to see your reflection in the wild eyes of the animals? Yeah. And I think, yeah, if I, I know that song was one of those rare ones that just it was done in an hour, came and came and went in an hour. And I sort of knew who I was singing it to, but I'm going to leave that as a mystery. Yeah. But I, I do think maybe you are always singing to yourself. Like, yeah. And maybe I was, maybe if I take that track for a bit, like, um, I might have been scared that I was losing, losing my wild a little bit. 
I was scared. <laughs> I was possibly scared that there was a part of me that would let um, that part of the world that seems to want to put you. Like I always think about our buildings that we make, how straight and square they are. Like there's so much squareness, and there's a lot of safety in squareness. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of sort of uh, a kind of weird kind of comfort that comes from um, not being in the wild. And I'm not even talking about the real wild, although that's an easy analogy to make. But there's so much aliveness about being being wild and. And um, so I think there, yeah, there's some kind of there's some kind of fear in that song that maybe I could I could choose a sort of a, this, the kind of comfort that leaves you a little bit dead inside. Yeah. Versus the the danger of the wild. Yeah. Where you 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 feel alive, and so I think that song was maybe in a maybe like a almost like a warrior, a call to arms or something yeah. of like yeah it's that weird choice like yeah, I have a choice here I can um, should we turn that light on? yeah is that going to be okay? yeah yeah I'll be right um, yeah that weird choice of, of like you say like it's that it's tough in your 30s to continue to show up at family Christmases and have people go, oh, so you're still writing songs, Dan? Oh, yeah. Whereas at first it was really cool. Oh, Dan, yeah, he, he writes songs. Oh, he's so cool, does that? <laughs> and then suddenly you're in your 30s, you're like, so how are you making your money, Dan? You're like, oh, well, um, do you really want to know? <laughs> and it does to, to, there's that, I feel like there's that, um, that call to safety a certain kind of safety which is um, which I was experiencing as just I suppose a more mainstream or a normal in inverted commas um, way of living that I could feel my inner child and my inner wild was just going fuck no yeah so yeah I like that 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 really helps me understand and I can hear that in it as well mm. that there's that, that fear that you might almost like lose your true self yeah. it sounds like yeah it's really that yeah. which you know is pretty tragic yeah um, pretty tragic uh, thing for me it is yeah um, and it's cool that you to explore that you did it through your art so it was kind of like mm. um, or through through song um it's nice to hear that wrestle in real time, basically, mm. and have it documented. Yeah, well, it's made me. It's nice actually telling, trying to say, because I know where I know where I was at when what I was thinking I was writing out about at the time, but five years on or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting to 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 see that. Yeah, what happens if you're actually singing? You think you're writing this song about, or you're making this art you don't actually really know what you're doing it for and you think you do. Like at that time I thought I knew what I was writing that song about. Yeah. And now I look when you ask that question and when you think about who, if, if you're actually writing for yourself, I'm like, oh yeah, damn. 
I can see that now. But I don't feel that same threat in my life anymore. Yeah. Which is interesting. So maybe maybe it worked. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'm going to pick a few of my favourite songs. I'll jump all over the place. Yeah, so okay. that'll take me to, um, to dance with all that comes my way. Take me out of my environment That's what the beggar on the street Told me with her deadened eyes Well, I don't like to be part of this But I pay my bills to get my thrills Hold my hand I don't understand I want to leave And really I want to believe I can change And not to escape But to dance, 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 dance With all that comes my way Because that sort of, to me, sounds like uh, like some sort of acceptance it feels like acceptance to me or surrender. That's how I, I describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a really beautiful way. I know a lot of people have different meanings for the word surrender. But for me, it's quite a beautiful thing of going, well, this is this is it. This is life, you know. Um, how am I going to dance dance with it? Mm. Um, what did it What did it mean for you? What did it Where did it come from for you? Um, it's really quite like it's uh, I was living in Camperdown at the time and I would I would go walking along Newtown and there's often homeless people there and it always troubles me and I, I think at that stage I was really seeing like this that I just really could see that could be how easy that could be me probably not in not in the sense of this life that I've been given but how if I was born into that life how some lives are born into it's almost like that's to not be on the streets is is almost an impossibility and I could just see um, it's I'm funny to think of those two lines together like are you afraid to see your reflection in the wild eyes of the animals mm. and in some ways that's what I was seeing I was trying to like not turn my head away from the suffering that was right there in front of me and I, and I would walk past my body would literally feel that like despair or whatever yep. um, and I suppose there's a resonance in my own despair of being what's the first line in that take me out of my environment mm-hmm. that's what the beggar on the street told me with her deadened eyes and um, I could just imagine like I was feeling the same similar thing like get me out of, I was probably feeling pretty pretty depressed at the time and so I was resonating with that so I suppose it's a, it's a song of um, it's a real utter, utter bafflement of suffering it's, I think it's yeah something like that it's my complete bafflement of, at suffering thinking that I think I feel like I used to un- know 
where suffering came from and why it comes, but in those moments I was just baffled by it and realised just how much I needed comfort. And where does the dance come in, come into it? Um, I think it's... I mean, as I, I've sort of struggled with depression, so-called depression. I don't. I call it depression because it's fine, but I've never really been, really been suicidal. But I've definitely used it as a fantasy that I can escape into, and and I've felt the real like, get me the fuck out of this life. Like I don't want to be here, and so. The dance is actually, it's almost like a prayer, I think. I, I think looking back, it's almost like a prayer. that like, I don't want out. I want the strength. I don't want to have to look away. I don't want to make this world all pretty because it's not. Like the beggar on the street, like I see, I feel that despair. I feel that pain and I'm noticing that pain. And I notice the same pain in me. And I don't want to have to ignore that. So, but I don't necessarily have the strength to know what to do with that. So, I need a way that I can dance with that, even even if it is that extreme suffering I have. Um, I want to be able to dance with that reality. I guess it's a. I guess it's a. Um, I don't want to have to turn my. I don't have to turn my head away from those realities is that it almost feels like a direct Jesus quote right to not not turn your head away from <laughs> suffering <laughs> yeah I've never heard of it like that with and it, yeah it's interesting because it feels like this was quite a recent almost a recent um, recent song and mm. I think even the time when you were literally looking at the homeless person that was quite recent yeah, it's only the last couple of years or so, yeah. Yeah, and it sort of brings up questions about, like, it's the same sort of questions you've been asking ever since you were, you've probably been quite a young young person, mm. you know. Um, how do you, how do you, what do you do with suffering, basically? Yeah. <laughs> which is really, yeah, which is... Yeah, what do you do with suffering? It's the age-old question that no one has yet. Which is going to bring me to my final song that I want to go into. It's a pretty good lead, actually. Okay, good. <laughs> and I'm just going to go there. Yeah. Um, and the song's called Gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a real trip down memory lane. But it seems now Now you're gone So am I Now you're gone So am I And it's my favourite It's my favourite song of yours probably actually. Really? Yeah Fuck, you're one of those ones, are you? Yeah and You really are a melancholy, <laughs> melancholy Well, I just When we started talking about suffering I was like, oh my god This is Yeah This is this is where I was going anyway, but because okay. um, there's so much suffering in that. Song. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh um, my god, yeah. But it feels very honest. I haven't thought about that song for a while. Um, yeah, I almost... I hope that maybe we can work a way to play play an excerpt the yeah. song into to this podcast. But um, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very raw song. But in a way, I think you've already answered my question as to what this journey is about. And some to some extent is exploring what you do with this idea of suffering and these feelings mm. of suffering. Mm. Um, which sort of takes us full circle back to what you're saying like what do you say like what is what is song to you or like yeah. how do you how do, do you, it how do you do it yeah and for me it's very related to suffering yeah it's it's very much music and playing guitar in general and then being able to express some of these hidden realities in my life which I don't even know if I was aware was going on music and song and art in general but particularly music and song seem to be able to bring me comfort where that no that nowhere else could it was it was like a like balm like I've often thought of that idea of balm like yeah. if you've got a wound what brings that wound balm and and um, and and that's sort of that's what I find I think maybe the, a bit of what is happening in this little conversation is like and the thing that I've really wrestled with ever since I started I discovered this world of song is it starts as this really um, joyful but like yeah it comes as this pure not pure thing but this thing that works like oh my god this thing that I've been carrying with me is getting airtime it's getting seen I can feel it's like bringing healing to me and then industry comes in or like you share it and then in my case I got a fair bit of attention mm-hmm. and then you begin to then I got a bit seduced by that and I remember my second EP, which Gorn is actually on. Yeah. Um, I had this really lackadaisical attitude to it. I just sort of thought, yeah, Triple J's playing myself. Yeah, they'll play. They'll play whatever, you know. Had this sort of a bit arrogant. <laughs> it's amazing what one, one song successful did and suddenly you're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so I didn't really... I remember my manager at the time and the guy that was helping re record these songs I sort of just let them choose the songs I didn't really care what songs were chosen I remember being in the recording studio just like he had a toothache his his son was there who was obviously going through something and I was just in I was a bit sick at the time too and hating hating being there and listening to the what was happening I'm like I don't like what has happened I don't I'm not enjoying these songs that's coming out um, and I think uh, yeah like that whole the, the whole process the creative process 
for me has been this um, um, what is it it's like a whole it's like a hand that, a real hand of comfort or like a real hand on the heart that really does bring you can bring allevi- alleviate suffering and it's always trying to be seduced by this other thing which is fame and success and validation I'm losing my way with what I'm saying there no it sounds it sounds pretty bang on um, I think that yeah is a really nice it seems more clear now the wrestle that you're having to me seems clearer basically which is what respecting this balm <laughs> that you've found um, basically that <laughs> yeah. respecting this balm that you've, and protecting this balm that you've that you've found yeah um, and then yeah the, 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 the struggle is that obviously if, it feels weird if I've found some balm and then I just like you know like Golem or I can feel like Golem like if you were to create art and just go yeah it's mine <laughs> it feels so unnatural like it feels so you want to share it so it is hard when you share a thing and it's you know like you, so that is part of the process I think is to share but in our current model or just like yeah it's, it's hard to um it's very easy to want to make the thing that's going to get attention versus offering up a thing which is actually valuable to, to you yeah um, and so that and that's it's not that I don't want attention for my songs I would love it if I wrote another Lost in the Moment that made me lots of money I would very much appreciate that anyone out there listening the 12 people that are listening if you want to give me lots of money I'll take it but um, I don't know if I'm going to be so seduced. I hope that I hope that I um, like if I'm thinking of, I'm just thinking about making that album the ache, mm-hmm. the joy of that making process versus how I know I was making that other. It might not have much different. It might not make much difference in the actual product, but um, I feel like they're two good little comparisons for me as to what is more in what's maybe more important in art for me. I want to end it um, on a lighter note. Cool. I'm just gonna rattle off a couple songs yeah. from your catalogue, and I want you to give me just sort of not necessarily word association, but just like a bit of a Whatever yeah description. Yeah. Um, the blame game. See, I believe I've been the victim when really I'm the criminal. It was switching from me being the victim to me realizing I was. Perpetrating, I was, I was maybe perpetrating the circumstances of my situation. Errol's forest.
that that sense of of recognizing that inner child that is in you that your suffering your current suffering probably has more to do with your younger self than your current situation and that's a wild forest to get lost in the point in this drums and um, that was the beginning of recognising I was really in trouble (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect Um, and finally yellow dress put a different devil in your hand it takes a lot to think Just, that's just a song about pure pain, um, but an ability to go in pain and out of it pretty quickly. That song, I think, is not suffering. That song's pain. Okay. <laughs> and that'll be our next podcast. <laughs> yeah. The difference between suffering yeah. and pain. Um, no, thank you so much. Thank you. For the, for the ride. It. We're here. Yeah, and we're here at, where are we? We're in Watermulla. Watermulla. Yeah. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Till next time. Peter.